Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Hey, good morning, good morning. Did you know that today is National Hot Chocolate Day? Mm-hmm. It's also Appreciate Your Social Security Check Day. That's interesting. Today is Eat Brussels Sprouts Day. It is Gorilla Suit Day, Grammy Award Day. Also, Hell is Freezing Over Day. Yeah, did you know that? <laughs> Just telling you. There's like a day for everything. Well, today is also National Backwards Day. It's National Backwards Day. So we're going to end by saying, or we're going to begin by saying amen. We're going to begin with the end in mind. You could eat dinner for breakfast, and you could eat breakfast for dinner. If you're leading a meeting today, I mean, you know, reverse the order of the agenda. And you may say to yourself, there will be an objection. But then you can say, yes, that's not happening in today's meeting. We are, it's backwards day. Yeah. I don't know, unless you can say the word objection backwards, you can't object. I don't know. Run the bases backwards at baseball practice. Read your ba- your daily Bible passages in reverse order. So instead of, I always begin with the Old Testament, and then I read a psalm and a proverb, and then I read passage from the Gospels and one from the letters. No, no. Read those in reverse order today. Yeah. Start with the end in mind. Here's a thought. Every time you pray today, begin with amen. Begin with amen. What, how might that um, stir things up in your prayer life, in your thought life? Our Growing Your Faith verse of the day comes from Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. Whatever you do, whatever order you do it in. Well, it doesn't actually say that, but I'm, you know. Whatever you do, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Whatever you do. Whatever order you do it in, forwards or backwards, inside, outside, upside down, whatever you do today, do it as a representative, representing Christ and giving thanks through him to God the Father. Whatever you do. Really? Yes, really. Always and in all ways, in whatever you do, do it as a representative, a person representing the Lord Jesus Christ to the world. That's what it means to be an ambassador. That's what it means to be an agent of his grace and a minister of his reconciling love, moment by moment. Have you ever considered that life is actually lived in the ever-present now? Like, I mean, yesterday is gone, tomorrow's not here yet. Life is lived in the ever-present now. This moment is the moment you have. In fact, this is the only moment you have to glorify Christ right now in this very moment. That life that you surrendered to Christ once upon a time, that is now a past life. (laughs) I mean, it's so exciting and wonderful that at a point in time, in a particular moment, you gave your life to Jesus, you surrendered all of yourself 
that you understood to all of him that you understood, that is awesome. But the opportunity that you have to choose Christ is actually right now, not some long time ago moment. We choose Christ in every moment. Moment by moment, we decide for or against Christ. You might remember that Jesus uh, asked the disciples at one point, there's, you know, there's, there's, they're in the midst of a conversation, just, just this intimate group, but in the midst of a lot that's going on around them in the world. And so, um, you know, the scene is lots of, there's lots of people, but obviously Jesus is just having a conversation with this small group. And he says, who do, who do all these people say that I am? Like, What's the word on the street out there? What's the rumor mill churning? Like, who do people out there say that I am? And they gave him all the answers that were floating around in the culture. Some say this, others say that. Everyone has an opinion about who Jesus is. And then he asks them directly, who do you say that I am? And Peter answers, in that moment, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus affirms that Peter gets the answer correct, that that is the that that confession is the true one. But have you ever also noticed that in the very next scene recorded in um, the Gospel of Matthew, the very next thing that we witness Jesus saying to Peter, the next set of quotes is Jesus saying to Peter, who in one moment got it right, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. The very next thing Jesus says to him Get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You've got your mind concerned with worldly human concerns, not the concerns of God. Do you see there that the decision of discipleship is moment by moment? In, in one moment, you can, you can be with Christ, and in the next moment, you can be against him. It, it, it is a moment by moment lived reality as a disciple. It is one thing to know and even to confess that Jesus is Lord. It is another thing altogether to follow him wherever he leads, moment by moment, in a life fully surrendered to his agenda, not our own. We might think here about every moment holy. And we might think here about every moment as a defining moment in our walk of discipleship. In every moment today, could you live with an awareness of Christ? In every moment today, Could you invite Christ to take every thought captive? Every step in step with Christ today? Every word a word of Christ today? Every action a witness to Christ today? Whatever you do in word or in deed, do it all as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Today, in this moment, and in the next moment, in the car, at the traffic light, in the parking lot, at the door, in the office, in the classroom, in the boardroom, in the stockroom, as you pull into the rest stop or pull back into traffic, as you make your first delivery of the day and as you make the last one, whatever you do, whatever you say, do it all as a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen? (laughs) On backwards day? Amen. Now, I got a critical question for you this morning. Why did the chicken cross the road? Because she saw the need, and in that moment, she wasn't chicken. Yep. When Jesus tells the parable of the Good Samaritan, it's easy to lose sight of that poor person who was victimized, wounded, and left for dead. The poor person. 
The poor person is the reality we want to bring into focus this morning with our friend, Pastor Daryl Crouch. He's going to help us get ourselves on the right side of the road, um, even if we're chicken. Mm -hmm. From the living word of God to living the word of God, next here on Mornings with Carmen. Daryl Crouch is back. He works with an organization called Everyone's Wilson. I invite you to check it out at everyoneswilson.org. He also writes a blog on Substack, darylcrouch.substack.com. His latest post is Getting Pastors on the Right Side of the Road. Daryl, good morning. Well, good morning, Carmen. Great to be with you. I'm trying to get us all on the right side of the road today. Yeah, that chicken joke's not going to help, really. (laughs) No, don't be a chicken. But it's good. It was a good try. I mean, that was a good try. <laughs> you know, every once in a while, you got to give people, you know, like a reason to, you know, just like, okay. I mean, you know, she'll yeah, say anything. Sure. That's, I'm sure. sort of in the she'll say anything mode. Yeah. Um, Mark sure. chapter 14. Um, when you, when you help us walk our faith out into the world that God so loves, um, you are sensitive in ways that not everyone is sensitive to the needs of the poor. Um, and so today, in helping us move from just accepting the Bible as the living Word of God to actually living out the Word of God in the world, um, I thought that this passage from Mark 14, in which Jesus makes the comment that the poor will always be with us and we can help them whenever we want, um, I just think that this is one of those verses of Scripture that has been taken out of context, misused, abused, and I thought, you know what, let's let's have Daryl help us understand um, what Jesus means when he makes the observation that the poor will always be with us, and we can help them whenever we want. That's really good, and I appreciate the nuance or the, you know, just the exposure to maybe some of our, um, you know, misconceptions about that. Uh, certainly, and I think, I think what you may be referring to in, in modern evangelicalism in the last I don't know, 30 years, um, my, my adult life, um, we, we've used that as a justification to move on to other things, to, to not really stop along the road in the Good Samaritan example, um, because there's an assumption, well, the poor is always going to be with us. And that, you know, that's really not, um, you know, primary to our, you know, to our calling and to our responsibility as Christians. We certainly care about souls. Um, I've heard of one, I've heard this phrase a few times. I, I don't want my, I just don't want my city to be a better place for people to go to hell from, uh, mm. implying that, that, that the condition of the city or the financial or social or family structures are not important. And, uh, that was not Jesus's disposition at all. Uh, he certainly cared about people. He fed people. He healed people. He certainly, uh, shared the gospel with those people and in a way that was very authentic and powerful. Um, but he cared about people. And I think um, sometimes, uh, well, to begin with, I, I, I think we have to just acknowledge that we are very self-consumed and uh, we are very much about us. And it, anytime you find a closed hand, you're going to find a hardened, a hardened heart. And so at the, at the heart of it, it is a heart issue for us. And we, we have to acknowledge that and, and just say, you know, I just don't, I, I don't think I, I love my neighbor well enough. I, I don't, I think I, 
wake up thinking about me and the people in my life. And um, most of my energy goes to providing for my family and providing for the things I want to do. And certainly that's important. And we wouldn't say that's not. But I, I think we we have to examine our own hearts. Um, and then um, we, we find ourselves when, when we start to say, you know, I, I don't even know these people. I, I don't even know people who are trapped in a cycles of poverty, for example. Um, I hear the <clears throat> I hear the political rhetoric. I hear, you know, um, you know, and I have my own opinions about pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and all those things. And those are cliches that um, you know are, don't always hit the mark. And so I, I think um, when we do walk across the street or walk across town or find ourselves in a space that uh, where where um, people are ministering to folks in need, uh, it does change our perspective. And we start to, brought, our hearts begin to become larger and um, uh, more fertile uh, toward the, the needs of, of people that uh, live in ways that we never knew they lived. Uh, here's an example. When many of us go on a mission trip, you know, and, and that's, I'm not opposed to that, but I've, done, I've led many mission trips, but people will go to a third world country and they will come back changed. You know, they, they saw something they never saw before. Um, the fact of the matter is you don't have to go to a third world country to see things you've never seen before. It's just about us walking and getting on the other side of the road. And um, when that begins to happen, uh, we, we then can change our patterns and priorities. When we think about um, our patterns and our priorities, that's probably a good consideration for each one of us. Um, because, you know, one of the challenges, I think, is to sort of like break break whatever rut we're in, break out of whatever rut we're in, whatever that is, um, mm-hmm. and, and recognize that um, God may be calling us to cross the road, to go out of our way, to linger longer than we had planned, um, to speak less than <laughs> than maybe we are inclined, um, to listen more. Um, and when you say that, you know, we don't even know, we don't, we don't even know poor people. Um, part of that is um, where we live and the ways in which we live and how easy it is to pass by on the other side of the road today. Um, I can literally change lanes. I could literally just avoid, you know, okay, I can see the person up ahead in the median with the sign. And so I'm not getting on the interstate. I'm just going to go the low road today. <laughs> like, I'm just going to, yeah, yeah. I'm just going to pass by on the other. And that's, that's my, you know, maybe most obvious modern day equivalent to passing by on the other side. Um, and I will, you know, I will confess the the thing that starts running in my head and I know better. This is Daryl, this is part of the challenge. Like I literally know better. Yeah. But the but the thing running in my head is, okay, literally that person's been out there for so long. I mean, they're just, you know, I mean, and they're they're getting dropped off here by somebody and they're getting picked up here by somebody because they're not making it out there on their own like that. I mean, I'm just it's you know, so um help me when we come back from the break, like Help me break out of my rut of not helping. 
Mm. Could we could we do that next? We'll just, we'll just, we'll just yeah. focus on Carmen the center. All right, that'll be good. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. We're talking with Daryl Crouch. Um, Everyone's Wilson is a collaborative effort among um, Christians and others in Wilson County to bring together the human and other resources that are necessary to actually change a community. So you should check it out. Um, lots of resources and ways for you to learn what they're doing and do what they're doing where you live. Everyoneswilson.org. We'll be right back. I'm Carmen LeBurge, host of Mornings with Carmen. I got some good news for you today. Jesus Christ is the good gift of God to each and every person. We heard the proclamation of Christmas that there's this good news of great joy for all people. Well, guess what? That means you. Jesus is the good news. He is the gift of God given at Christmas. And maybe you're saying, I don't feel so good. I haven't really received this sense of good news. Well, we would invite you to wake up to the goodness of God with 40 Days Toward Healing and Wholeness. It's Susie Larson's brand new book. Our friends over at W Publishing gave us 100 copies for Christmas to give away to you. So we'd invite you to enter to win yours now at myfaithradio.com. Dot com. Wake up to the goodness of God, 40 days toward healing and wholeness, because Jesus really is the good news and the great joy for all people. Connecting Faith to Life, Faith Radio. Our friend and brother in Christ, Daryl Crouch, is here from Everyone's Wilson. Uh, yeah, Daryl, um, I realize that, uh, you know, an intervention with Carmen is probably not what you had planned this morning, but maybe that's the point. Maybe we have to be willing to say hard things to our friends who are um, passing by on the other side. This this notion that um, the poor will always be with us does mean for me that I sometimes lose sight of them. Yeah, I think I we see, all. I see all of them instead of one of them. That's Maybe so it would good. be a way that I could say that. No, that is so good, and uh, that's a great way to say that. And we do that in other areas of life. So while we all need to press into this, there's no shame, guilt, and all that. But there is a an evaluation that we we have to ask ourselves in our. Um, I, I, you know, I may make some assumptions here, but conservative, evangelical, capitalistic, you know, champions of of working hard and earning a living, and and the Bible would tell us to work hard and earn a living, and all of those things. But in all of that, we can lose sight of those who uh, have uh, are behind real barriers to their success. So, for example. And um, the the person at the end of the the interstate ramp who's asking for for money or food or whatever, um, when I came to understand that eighty to eighty five maybe ninety percent of those individuals are dealing with mental health issues and addiction issues at at a profound level that will probably affect their entire lives. When I understood that many of them are dealing with mental health issues that they're never going to be able to completely conquer, uh, that changed the way I thought about those folks. Um, I, I don't know them all. I don't. I don't know many of them, but I, we know that is true. So it it's not a call to that you have to help every time that you stop at the at the light. 
we and I don't want to suggest that we cannot do everything for everyone. And there's times that we have to say, no, I'm just not in a good place to help in this situation. So I think that needs to be clear. But I think awareness where we are able to see that one person, what is it that you are dealing with and how is it that I could walk with you not to fix you? People uh, that are in cycles of poverty, for example, are not projects for us to fix. Most of them want to do better. Most of them want to make progress, um, but there are barriers. Uh, there's family of origin issues that maybe you and I didn't have to deal with. There's, um, again, addiction issues or um, abuse you know, uh, issues that have uh, just uh, devastated their lives for no fault of their own. And, and so um, there's transportation. For example, if, if you hire someone, one, one of the things that we hear a lot is that, hey, I, I hired this person and three days later they didn't show up. Mm-hmm. Well, they didn't show up because they didn't want to show up um, many times. Uh, they, they didn't show up because she's a single mom with, a, you know, a 25-year-old vehicle uh, that broke down and she's not sure how to get her kid to daycare uh, to granny's and, and, and she can't do that and get to work as well. She has no resources to fix that car today. She doesn't have another car. But the bigger issue, Carmen, is that she doesn't have a friend. Mm-hmm. She doesn't have a community. If my car breaks down, I and your car breaks down, I we, we have a lot of people we can call that will be there. We probably have financial resources. We can call a record or AAA or whatever. We assume... We assume a lot of things because our, of our access and of our community and our uh, our resources. And so um, I think just an awareness that there are barriers that many of our neighbors deal with that um, prevent them from taking the next step. And what they need is the same thing you and I need, needed, a loving mom and dad, a loving friend, a loving brother or sister in Christ, a an accessible neighbor. We all need that. And that's the only reason you and I are here today is because of meaningful relationships. And the brokenness of our neighbors goes back to a broken relationship between us and God and us and one another and so on. And and I think for us to say, whose life can I step into that um, would make a difference? And for some, that's going to be a foster care situation and if you're doing that, you may not do something else. You know, that, like you can't do everything. So I think all of us have to, to open our eyes, see things from a different perspective, unlearn some things. That's a re- part of our repentance, a daily repentance, unlearning some things and learning new things. But then asking the Lord, what are you calling me to? And what's my capacity? How are you providing for me to do that? And then begin to step into it. We don't have to change the world, but we can change the world for one person. And we can change their future or help influence and impact them to help them move beyond and take the next step. The last thing I'd say is that the goal is not to get everybody where we are. Mm. You know, we have an idea in our mind of what success looks like. And that includes family and finances and, you know, a lot of those things. But, um, I think we we sit with people 
and we begin to discover what it is God's called them to. And what is it in this season that is their next step? And that uh, we learn to rest in that as well. So those are just a few things on my radar. There's more. Um, All right. I want to put one thing on your radar today because I think you will appreciate it. And I also know that um, because you've been paying attention to real people and real things, you might have missed this. Elmo um, posted on Twitter or formerly known as Twitter X. Elmo on Monday just posted a question to check in on everybody because, you know, the world is a hot Mm. mess. And Mm. Elmo posted, Elmo is just checking in. Um, How is everybody doing? Mm. Um, As of right now, 173 million views later and hundreds of thousands of responses. um, People aren't doing well. And people are willing to confess publicly that they're not doing well. And when very high-profile people have been have been willing to confess that they're not doing well, um, it's become a very, very public conversation about all of the people in all of the places who who do need do need help. They need somebody to check in. And so this mm-hmm. is uh, I thought you would be a good person for me to lift this in front of because you might actually be able to use it in what you do. But just checking in on people today could be a real gift. Just checking in. In the spirit of Elmo, hey, how is everybody doing? Elmo's just checking in. Could Carmen just be checking in? Could Daryl just be checking in? So, Daryl, my friend, thank you. Yeah, Yeah, right? Right? I know. And then, I mean, you know, obviously the grouch is on there and he's like, I'm grouchy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and Big Bird, Big Bird is on there. I mean, it, it. I mean, they have made the most of it. I mean, it's good, but there are also yeah. they have um, Sesame Street's like official account. Um, yeah. Then followed up with all kinds of mental health resources and reminding people um, of the access that um, that is out there and what's available. Yeah. And so, I mean, it has been an interesting um, public conversation, and it's taking place on the street. And I think that that is one of the things that maybe we have to remember. It is about Main Street and Wall Street and Sesame Street and the street that you live on, the street that I live on, which my street happens to be Street Road. So, you know, makes a whole lot yeah. of sense to me. Yeah. Wow. That's so good. Yeah. All right. And this, there you go. This, this a little, little, little Elmo today. Little Elmo. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Hey, we love you. Thank you so much, Daryl, um, for all that you're doing, the way that you're doing it, and for sharing with us. That's Daryl Crouch. You can find him at Everyone's Wilson. Yep, you got to put the plural in there, everyoneswilson.org. You also ought to be reading his substack. The latest, the latest post there is Getting Pastors on the Right Side of the Road. That's darylcrouch.substack.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Next up, we're going to talk with our friend Mark Terman. Um, and yeah, we're going we're gonna to actually try to delve into not only what's going on um, in the Middle East, but what's going on right here in America in terms of marriage. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Our friend Mark Terman is back. He's the executive director of the Denison Forum. You can find what we're going to be talking about today and a whole lot more at denisonforum.org. Good morning, Mark. Good morning. How are you, Carmen? 
Well, I am well. I understand that where you are, um, the projected highs for today are more like spring than winter. And come to find out that's true for a lot of people across the country. Well, yeah, glad of it. I'm happy for everybody to share in it that can. But, you know, I'm mostly happy for me. And, uh, you know, going to go wash the car, play golf. I think we should declare it a, an immediate holiday. Uh, it's backwards day. So I don't it's know. Whatever day, yeah. you would. Yeah. It's backwards day. So just go ahead and celebrate that. Um, Absolutely. I want to talk with I want to talk with you about um, some observations that um, that Dr. Dennison made a couple of days ago now in the Daily article, um, and this is about the the rise in the culture of polyamory, which might need definition for some people. Um, I actually spoke briefly about this when the Wall Street Journal um, reported on it first. Twenty two percent of Americans say 22% of Americans say they are engaged in a, quote, consensual, non-monogamous relationship. So that means that they are in intimate relationship with more than one person with the knowledge of their primary partner. It's the way that I read that. Consensual non-monogamy, polyamory. Can you talk with us about, first of all, the normalization of, the fact that this is sin, this is contrary to God's design and will, um, that and that it's normalized. Yeah, and that's what's amazing about it, especially at scale. Now, in some sense, right, it's not new. We know from the fall in the garden and certainly across the long story of Scripture that we see all kinds of uh, problems and, uh, you know, either personal or larger scale crisis that come from sexual immorality. And you know, we're really good at coming up with fancy words like polyamory and polygamy and non-monogamous. We, we have some great ways of creating uh, what sounds like sophisticated language, which is simply a description of sin, and particularly in this case, the sin of sexual immorality uh, in several different directions. But one of the things that the devil does to uh, bring something like this forward and into scale is he normalizes it and popularizes it. He glamorizes it particularly. Uh, and so there's a, uh, as the book of James tells us, there's a very dynamic, aggressive attack to try to draw us away from God and away from God's will and into sin, particularly in this enormously beautiful gift called our sexuality. And so polyamory is simply a word that means many loves or many simultaneous loves, uh, polygamy would be the expression of that in terms of marriage. And what we're seeing uh, is just a, uh, as the article that uh, Dr. Dennison references out of the, the Wall Street Journal, uh, this line of thinking and this uh, form of behavior is having a moment. It is surging in popularity right now for various reasons, but one of those main reasons is uh, the devil coming toward us as people uh, playing on our sexual desire and convincing us uh, with his deception that if we simply practice uh, many loves or free love, that that will lead us to pleasure, it will lead us to uh, enjoyment, it will lead us to fulfillment. And we've seen this and we've seen surges of this in previous times, particularly we all probably think of the 60s, um, but it is proven over and over and over again to be a place of fulfill, not of fulfillment, but of frustration, of pain, 
Um, the Bible makes it very clear in First Corinthians that there's no such thing as casual sex. It just it just doesn't exist. Yeah, I want to talk about this idea that it's victimless because, you know, there may be somebody listening right now who's saying to themselves, well, I mean, okay, I mean, God's design is one man and one woman. Um, we live a long way from Eden. Um, I am a person, you know, they may be saying, you know, I, I'm a person who has enjoyed relationships with multiple individuals and there's no victim here. Can you address that? Can you address this fiction of a victimless sin? Yeah, because our world... Uh, particularly in the area of sexual behavior right now, the world's motto is, well, if two people agree, they can do whatever they want. Um, the problem is, is that the idea of consent as the golden rule of sexual behavior is a very thin wire. Uh, we don't even really have a clear expression of what we mean by consent. Um, you know, and if you've ever parented a child, you know that, um, you know, you, you have your child do a lot of things that they don't, quote-unquote, consent to. Um, and what we usually are finding in these expressions is, is somebody may in some way indicate a level of consent, but then when they want to say no, uh, at some point, their partner doesn't respect that. And we have all kinds of legal cases that point to that reality. Um, but that's kind of become the golden rule is, well, as long as two people agree in their own privacy, that's it's okay with, with whatever they want to do. The problem is, is that it usually devolves into some form or often devolves into some form of abuse. Uh, the second part of that is, is that, uh, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of societal ills that tend to come from this, uh, disease would be one of those. And, uh, if somebody is, uh, in this kind of a behavior pattern and it creates disease for them, well, then they're taking resources out of the medical, uh, the medical system of our country. Um, if they're, you know, engaging their insurance company or using their doctors, if it's a case in which other people are involved and particularly children are involved, there's study after study after study that shows that this creates not only oftentimes abuse in one or more of the relationships among the adults, but it creates instability for children. Uh, it creates um, usually uh, legal cases. It oftentimes results in violence or other forms of abuse, all of which uh, create cost and impact to the larger community, to the larger society. We are, none of us live unto ourselves. We, we all are connected and the bad choices of any of us will affect the rest of us. Uh, and conversely, the good choices, the, the, the righteous choices that any of us make also bring benefit to the rest of us. Um, Dr. Jennison offers some very, very practical steps forward, and I think that's important for us to, um, to survey before we move on to another topic. Can you walk with us through, you know, these, these very practical steps that we could take today in response to really a, a culture that um, that is embracing a, a sexual ethic that's just so far from God's good design? Yeah, I'm happy to do that. And I, I think you're right. It's just so important for us to, uh, to be different. And the first part of this, I would say, is, is that we need to be humble. And that we need to, mm -hmm. to do what Dr. Dennison says here, which is to agree with the Bible and to call sin what it is. It's sin. That whether we use the word non-monogamy or not, it's sexual immorality. It's often adulterous. 
Um, it is it is sinful. It is not God's will, and it is not God's design for human flourishing. It's wrong. It's sinful. It's destructive. Call it what it is. The second thing is is in humility, uh, as the Bible points us to realize that we are all vulnerable. We are all capable of uh, basically any sin given the right set of circumstances and conditions. We are all vulnerable, and we need to recognize that, and we need to do everything we can to flee from immorality, particularly sexual immorality. We need to build boundaries, and we need to give our accountability to others, and we need to pray diligently because we're all vulnerable. The third thing is is that if we find ourselves uh, caught in tra- into temptation and therefore into sin, when God convicts us of that through the Holy Spirit, we need to repent immediately. We need to make uh, restitution or amends uh, in broken relationships where appropriate, and we need to we need to turn from our behavior back into a place of righteous living. And then the last thing we need to do is we need to encourage others to follow those same practices. That we need to give witness uh, to the power of God and to his ability to lead us out of sin. We do not have to be mastered by our sexual desire. And uh, I suspect that I'm talking to somebody this morning that that's right where they are. Um, I believe that the power of God is powerful enough to overcome our sexual temptations and to lead us into a place of biblical flourishing in this area. I'm going to encourage you to guard your heart and mind on this matter, Proverbs 4.23, and to not only keep your own marriage bed pure, but to hold marriage in high esteem, Hebrews um, 13.4. So today, um, guard your heart and mind on this matter. Keep not only your own marriage bed pure, but hold marriage in high esteem. These are, um, these are not casual issues. Um, the Word of God makes clear, like, God holds us to account uh, in this particular area um, of, our, of our lives. So we're going to continue our conversation here on Mornings with Carmen with Mark Terman in just a moment, and we're going we're gonna to pivot. We're going to pivot to the Middle East and what is happening there. The President of the United States has said he holds Iran responsible um, because of their provision of the weapons that were used in the attacks uh, that resulted in the deaths of three American service members. And so we are expecting, we don't know when um, the strikes will begin. We do understand that it won't be one strike today. It will be numerous strikes over some extended period of time until uh, it is deemed that um, Iran has received the message that the United States is seeking to send that um, this behavior must end. And so um, the question of whether or not this is a regional war, not just a war contained uh, in Gaza, um, is obviously a conversation we are in the midst of as a people, how engaged we are going to be. It's one thing to uh, for the president of the United States to use the resources of the United States to respond when American um, personnel are attacked or American assets are attacked. It's another thing to actually go to war with a foreign country. So all of that is in play. Um, We're going to continue our conversation here next 
with Mark Terman from the Denison Forum. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Jesus loves the little children. You guys know that. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. And right now, there are little children in the world who need Jesus. They also need things like basic food and medical care. Jesus tells us that what we do for the least of these, the little ones, we do for him. So this is your time to become the champion of one child, to change their life. When you sponsor just one child, you plant seeds of hope, and you work together with people who are on the ground to change the families, the communities, the future. You might not feel like you could change the world, but you can for one child. Meet the kids and find your child at MyFaithRadio.com. Mark Terman is here. He's the executive director of the Denison Forum. You can find what we're talking about uh, today at denisonforum.org. Um, Mark, there is a war in the Middle East. We're all um, very, very aware of that. Um, can you just read us in on the perspective that Dr. Denison shares on this? Yeah, and I think you know we're all aware of that, and we are all becoming much more uh, aware and clear about what we mean by proxy wars. Um, and we can respect and, and we should be pleased that, uh, countries, including our own are trying to avoid, uh, conflicts if, and in, in, if, and when we can. Um, but the reality of it is, is that our world is, is such a broken place where, uh, wars and rumors of wars, as Jesus talked about, are a reality. Uh, and there's a lot of thinking going on in Christian circles as right, rightfully there should be about what, uh, just war uh, means, go all the way back to Augustine, there's some great uh, thinking that's being done and being revisited about what, uh, whether or not Christians can participate in war, can they serve in the military, that type of thing. So there's a whole body of truth uh, and thinking that we could consider around just, the, just war. But the, re- but the reality of it is, is that there are multiple conflicts happening at the same time. Obviously, what's going on between Israel and Hamas seems to be front of mind. It it really uh, is not the only one, obviously, and we should ne- not forget what's going on in the conflict between Ukraine and Russia and continue to pray for that, continue to pray that God would bring peace and resolution in both of these areas, but they seem to be connected to a larger reality where uh, people that have been in countries that have been in opposition to America and to the West seem to be aligning themselves in some ways that we can see and other ways that we can't see, particularly China connected to Iran, connected to um, uh, connected to others, connected to Hamas, connected to um, uh, even places like Syria or to other um, uh, terrorist groups, which is another reality that we're having to just get our minds around is that uh, for at least the last 25 years, if not longer, Terrorist groups have become more proliferated throughout the world, and particularly in the Middle East, and they have become the instruments of larger nation states. And that makes it very hard to understand how warfare operates in our world, but it has become the default way that war occurs, that conflict occurs, um, where larger nation states are, are oftentimes relating to and even using instrumentally um, these these terrorist groups. We see it very clearly going on with the Houthis uh, attacking shipping in the Red Sea on behalf of Iran. 
uh, and on behalf of Hamas. And so this has just become the nature of warfare uh, to where it is not clearly nation state against nation state. Yeah, the alliance um, that Iran and China and Russia have, um, their partnership agreement is is probably beneath the radar of a lot of people. Um, and when I think about the, I think I'm going to use the term clash of civilizations. I think that's the part, Mark, that so many people seem to be missing. People who I hear in the media, you know, they're, they're, they're saying, you know, well, you know, these people should just be given this land and let them govern themselves. What's missing in, not only in that conversation, but in the larger conversation globally is, you know, not everybody wants peace. They they don't. That's not what every culture is striving for. Um, not every culture is is moving in the same direction toward the same um, perceived hopeful end. Um, we we actually have a completely different worldview than the the Chinese Communist Party. We have a completely different worldview than those who govern Russia. We have a completely different worldview than those who imagine a global Islamic caliphate. We have, I mean, so um, I, I, I just think that there's, there's almost like this sobering up that needs to take place at some level where we can admit that not everybody is operating out of the same worldview. And, um, and when that is true, we don't want the same things. Well, I think that's exactly the case, um, and both in different parts of the world, like Russia, China, uh, Iran, and certainly in various places in the Middle East, um, it's true there, but it's also true here that this secular worldview of the will to power, as uh, the atheist Nietzsche said, is uh, the dominant theme of sinful people outside of relationship with God. Now, Nietzsche had a a way of describing that, you know, taking God completely out of the conversation. But we see it even within our own country and within our own culture in the West. Uh, and yes, it's, it is clear in many ways that um, those in other parts of the world, like China and Russia, are operating from a completely unbiblical worldview, from a secular worldview in the pursuit of power, um, but we also have elements of that happening in our country where, you know, we have one, almost one-third of our population who are recently indicating that they consider them to be, themselves to be completely non-religious. They are sometimes mm-hmm. called the nuns, N-O-N-E-S. And they're operating in a pathway that starts to become similar to those who openly and, uh, and clearly avow that they are atheistic uh, leaders of countries or atheistic uh, cultures that that believe in no God at all or believe in a God that is bent on power rather than on love. Uh, and so we see at least two or three different worldviews operating at the same time. Uh, and as I learned when I visited Israel several times, yes, there's real conflict between uh, groups like Hamas who are radical in their faith and want to eliminate completely eliminate the Jews uh, and Israel as a nation-state. We know that there are radical elements like that, but there are radical elements all over the world. Mm -hmm. Um, But what we we learned in Israel was, is that while many many groups uh, oppose Israel and want to eliminate all Jews, 
they are also within those cultures, um, particularly within the Arab culture in this case, there are a lot of groups that disagree with each other. And so there's a lot of sure. infighting, which actually kind of in some ways helps us stay safer because if they end up uniting, then they become more powerful and much more of a threat, not only to Israel and others in the Middle East, but to the world at large. Yeah. And we'll land this um, for listening right now. That's Mark Terman, executive director of the Denison Forum. I'm Carmen LeBurge, host of Mornings with Carmen here on the Faith Radio Network. I'm just going to land the plane uh, and, and land the show right here. Um, calling out peace, peace, when Jesus is not involved in that, um, when Jesus is not the the reigning and ruling Prince of Peace in, in the heart and in the midst of the conversation, results in no peace. So we got to be the Jesus people in the midst of all of this. we got another hour together next. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.